Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 67 of Shades of Brown. And we're gonna uh, conclude the... We're gonna conclude the MacBook Pro keyboard saga for now. Uh, is our Apple keyboards... Is that like an effort or solve thing? Because think about it. So, the MacBook Pro... They did this to it, right? We're about to talk about. What about my my laptop and the MacBook Air? And also the desktop Mac keyboards, the magic keyboard. I don't know what the why the fuck Apple calls it a magic one. But those ones, right? I believe the newest ones use butterfly switches. So it's uh and the iPad Pro smart keyboard, smart cover. That also uses a uh those butterfly switches. So I don't know if it's truly fixed. Um but but the news being right that uh as we talked about last week, this is just a little bit of follow-up on it. iFixit really went through and tested it out, and there is that silicon membrane to uh prevent debris from coming into the keyboard. Apple confirmed that. And they ran some tests. And now mind you, you could still get mushy keys, but it's a lot harder than it was with the previous keyboard. Like sand is still your enemy, like don't take your computer to the beach. But um late night, Fortnite and Doritos and Mountain Dew sessions, you should be good. <laughs> You should be good for playing Fortnite um, with your uh, with your spicy Doritos, your hot Cheetos, your Takis Fuego. Um, what other snacks would like have that kind of powder stuff? Like uh, barbecue Lay's, maybe uh, like uh, poutine. Right? Poutine has like a little it might get a little messy on the MacBook keyboard, right? That's cheese. I, I you don't want. To, I mean, you don't want cheese in your keyboard. That's that's. Uh... And not even a mechanical one. It's not even saved then. Mm. So don't don't eat poutine when using your razor gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In general, try to avoid eating in front of the keyboard. But you know, that's... like eat to the side of the keyboard. Um, recommended gamer foods. What are some recommended gamer foods though for people who don't want their MacBook? Like, firstly, I don't know why you're gaming on a MacBook, but like, I would say like a recommended gamer food is uh, Soylent. Use coupon code. We sold out at checkout. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I'm just making fun of this because, like, at this point, I don't really care anymore. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> like, like we we had to talk. We had to follow it up. I mean, Apple's gonna fix my keyboard until 2020 something. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's your. I mean, you're still gonna be stuck with the kind of shitty keyboard uh, that probably needs to be fixed multiple times. But yeah, that's uh, that's the keyboard. Moving on to the regular Google, <laughs> the Google. No, no, this is not the Google Hater podcast. But um, so just pre, just just a little tease. Me and Jake are going to go in on this. Don't worry. We we put time aside. We are going to give you that analysis that you guys want. The double up, the double up on the uh, Elon Musk hate and the Google hate. It's going to be a good episode. But we still need to talk about it because it's a big story. It's a big. It's a big story. I think it's important. Uh, so. This week, uh, the European Union uh, fined Google $5.05 billion, which is 4.34 billion euros for violating EU antitrust rules, saying that Google has imposed illegal restrictions on Android device manufacturers and mobile network operators to cement its dominant position in general internet search. Uh, so this is actually also like the second time the EU has fined Google and because Google is already appealing another fine uh, previously that the, the Google that was levied to them by the European Union. Uh, so 
Oh boy. Yeah, last year the European Council issued like a 2.42 euro billion euro billion euros billion euros uh fine to Google for abusing its market dominance as a search engine by giving an illegal advantage to its comparison shopping service which was i think uh Google shopping versus like uh some other like vendor like sued for that uh that was that so Christian uh what are your thoughts? Like, what is what is this? Um, so my problem with these EU suits is that, like, I'm glad that they're happening. I'm glad this is a thing. But God, they keep it's the wrong. There are so many like rightful things you can take Google on about with Android, but like their arguments are silly. It's like the the most correct um clauses I think that they went after Google for is the one where Google's like, if you make a fork of Android, we will not give you the Play Store. Right, like I think that is the most correct one. You have the most grounds to sue Google on, but Google paying like Verizon to make sure that everyone uses Google on their devices, like I, I guess, but DuckDuckGo doesn't have enough money to pay Verizon to make it the default search engine, right? Like this is only hurting Microsoft, and cool, we get more Bing now. Like I gay Bing, like I I don't know. I can't I don't feel good about supporting Bing. Like it's a less gross version of Google. And it's not like we're gonna get devices with DuckDuckGo now. So that's my thing, right? And then also too about Chrome and the Play Store. Like I that makes sense to me. I think that I think there's stronger arguments they could have had, but at the very least, that makes sense. And it's really the fork one that I think that slaps down hard. Right. So uh so the the from the EC uh, reading. Uh, Google's practice ha- practices have denied rival search engines the possibility to compete on the merits, uh, which uh, which is not. I don't think it's unfair, right? I don't think that the the notion that Google's dominance in the search industry and its its it's it's uh, like its dominance in the mobile uh, market has given them like a uh, a really like a like an a, a edge that nobody else, no other search engine vendor has, right? It's like, it's not possible. Microsoft doesn't have a mobile platform that they can leverage to increase the search market, right? Uh, DuckDuckGo has nothing of the sort. They're just a search engine. Uh, so it, it's not, I don't think it's unfair to say that Google has leveraged Android as a, as a way to get like the Google search uh, market share up right well that's like their that's their business model though right like they have to do that or else android doesn't make the money which like i don't like personally i don't really care but google is now like well if this goes through and the appeal fails they'll start like charging people for android they're like hinting at that right which i mean hey like if i'm gonna take a really cynical view of this Cheap Android phones get really expensive because Google charges a whole a butt ton for Android licenses because they can't give it out for free anymore. Um, maybe someone comes up and starts making good low end phones. Yeah, <laughs> right? or, or maybe a different OS actually gains traction in the market. Like uh, maybe maybe this is maybe in the future we will actually have an opportunity for like a third uh, mobile OS vendor to actually make uh, a significant like. Like gain any any sort of significant traction in the market because right now it's just it's just either Android or iOS. Like you don't you don't really have a choice. Uh, it's not. It's I think the smarter view, right? Like a smarter take from the EU should have been to 
unbundle Google. They, their judgment should have been that Google, you're too integrated. You've reached into too many aspects of consumer software and your business model is undercutting everyone else who would want to compete with you. So we would unbundle you and make Android one company, search one company, Chrome one company, like sort of like the classic Bob Bell ruling, right? Like that is the, that would be the best way forward because then with an independent Android, like and not allowing Google obviously to come back together as one whole company, but I don't think the EU would have the authority to do that anywhere outside of that, right? Like that's something that the American government would have to do. Yeah, the EU doesn't have jurisdiction on that, right? Like they wouldn't be able to enforce that in any sort of uh, meaningful way. Uh, Google's parent companies uh, are all American companies, so anything anything of that sort would have to be handled by what, like the FEC, what 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 or what U.S. government regulatory body would do that like that would be like uh, the justice department the justice department <laughs> yeah okay. so no 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 so um if you want so in the u.s how it works if you want to like go against the company and unbundle them that comes from the president and the attorney general uh and for obvious political reasons i highly doubt that google will get broken up in, in both the current leadership current management is not going to break up google no uh no also also, it's going to be extremely difficult at this point. I think the Google uh, Google is huge, and they, they have a lot of lobbying power. So it will be a, a very hard uphill battle to get any sort of unbundling of, of this corporation. And also, too, right, there's the fear, right? So the EU doesn't like Google, doesn't like Facebook, doesn't like Microsoft because they're not home players, right? There are foreign companies that, and there's, there is no French alternative to Google because Google and Facebook and Microsoft and all these American tech companies have ensured that those conditions don't exist. Right. And that's what most of the EU's like pissed about. I think in general, like even EU citizens are kind of like, that's why they have like much stronger views on privacy because it's not like Facebook is an American company that's dictated by American laws. So even though they're being creepy, I know the limits of what they can and cannot do. A citizen in Germany doesn't know american laws and shouldn't have to right so you're basically giving this foreign company all of your information and hoping some other government from what you're seeing on like tv and the news is kind of fucked up right now right is is handling your shit right and it's that's not a good like scenario yeah i'm, I'm not surprised yeah i'm not surprised that the eu is like this is not the like, the, the the rate at which you is uh, like pursuing these antitrust lawsuits they, they seem to be happening fairly often now uh and they're, they're, they are fairly strict about it. And I think it's just because they're getting a lot of pressure from the general EU citizens array, which is which is a lot of people. Uh, it's a significant amount of people. So it's, it's a lot of people from many, many different countries. Uh, but yeah, that there's general, like, sort of like this whole thing that some, these Americans are like, you know, uh, these American companies rather are just like taking our data and it's like sitting in some server in the States and being used for machine learning and ad targeting, uh, and and also too, I think that with um with the American government, even if we had like a liberal government in power right now, right, the fear is you make Google and Facebook weaker. Who fills the gap? Chinese companies, right? Because in the term in in the rank of like what countries have tech companies that can that have the scale to do like the whole to be like worldwide. It's American companies, and then right next to them are Chinese companies like Tencent, and uh, I think WeChat's also Tencent, right? But Xiaomi, Tencent, all of those companies, 
I think that's some of the fear because it's like, okay, we weaken Google. They don't have as strong as a grip. Who takes the place of that? And even in, in Europe, I don't think that, like, please, EU, please keep, keep attacking, like, Google and Microsoft. Yeah, yeah I think the, yeah, like keep the doing EU that. should continue. But at the same yeah, time, yeah. when they weaken them, I don't know if weakening them is going to allow the conditions for European tech companies to get strong, right? Mm. Because I don't, I, I'm, I, I, once again, let's like preface this by saying, I don't live in the EU. I don't really know what's goes on over there. I know, I know the generals, like general of like happenings of the EU, but from what I've seen and from the people I've talked to, like on Mastodon, right, who live in Europe, there's not like as strong of a tech sector there as there is over here or even like Canada for that matter, right? So I don't know if the infrastructure is there for those companies to rise up and fill that gap once the EU takes them down or if Chinese companies, which the EU is much friendlier to, right? Like Xiaomi, I don't, I don't know if Xiaomi exactly sells in, in Europe, but I know that Huawei does, ZTE does, right? There's more Chinese companies that'll sell phones in the EU. If, if, if those companies will just like kind of slide in the gap instead of, um, instead of uh, European companies coming up. And from the American perspective, the American government probably doesn't want any Chinese company to come in here and become any sort of major player in the tech sector. Um, because if, at least, especially now with tariffs and other uh, protectionist policies, it's not going to happen. So I don't see, at the very least, all I ever see the American government doing is some kind of like bullshit data privacy laws that don't actually really matter. Um, but for the EU's perspective, like they're kind of a little fucked just a so, so they're not like holy fucked they're like it's a it's only a little fucked no but i i do think that i do think that them doing this like sets uh like it's it sets it, it, it sets up precedent i think it sets up like a sort of like uh like even if the fine even if google like is forever appealing fines that they like don't pay the fines just just the numbers themselves like it's gonna it's gonna put tech companies on uh, but a bit of notice, right? I mean, it, it's not much. It's, it's, I mean, this is Google. This is like not really that much of a problem. They're going to just keep fighting. It's just going to appeal this. Uh, that's the, the last one. Uh, but it, it, it does, it is not a bad thing to keep like finding Google like billions of dollars because at the end of the day, Google is also a public company and their shareholders are not going to be like, okay, yeah, every year we have to take like a $5 billion loss because like the EU keeps fighting us every year. Uh, I, I I don't know. Uh, that's that doesn't sound like something shareholders would be too pleased with uh, long term. So, and if if anything, if you have, if you get Android in the EU now, like Google might just make a separate version for that that is charges licenses for it. Because I don't know if Google would do worldwide license fees. Um, it's just it's interesting because I don't know how this is going to play out. Like they can appeal it, but I don't know. The EU's arguments are kind of weak. Like I definitely think the fork um clause that one is the strongest because yes, that's yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah, at the very least, like maybe Amazon might get the Play Store on Fire devices, or Microsoft might be able to make their own fork of Android if they wanted to, or Xiaomi might be able to move easier into the U.S. with their own custom version. Um, and for the search aspect, it's like I don't know. Now iOS might be able to ship with Bing by default because Microsoft pays more to Apple, or like Apple would provide like a like a like a choice, right? Like a I don't know, like what do you? first open safari it's gonna oh my be god like, like the uh like that fucking thing in windows 7 from like eight years ago you yeah. remember the browser ballot <laughs> yeah yeah the browser ballot uh browser ballot for those who don't remember actually 
uh, I don't even remember the browser pilot. I think it was not. It was because um, the EU uh, had an antitrust move against Microsoft for shipping Internet Explorer as a default browser. So if you bought a Windows PC in Europe for some time, you would when you when you go to like set up the computer, it would ask you what browser would you like to install. And it would show you um, Opera, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, back when Apple made a Windows version, and then obviously Internet Explorer. And, like, I guess that was cool, but, like, I don't, that really, I don't think that really fixed the problem. <laughs> no, I don't think, uh, I don't think that fixed the problem. Uh, and, yeah, and imagine that if, if they, like, if the if EU went after Google for, I don't know, making Google the default search engine in Google Chrome. I don't, I, I don't even know. Cause it's at the same time, right? It'd be like, okay, you, you open up, you set up your Android device and you have to pick what search engine you use. Most people are still going to pick Google. Like giving people choice on a device that's made by a company that their services work the best and that they're already known doesn't fix the problem. It's having like a competitor OS pop up and appear, right? It's like, like if I if I if like Twitter got antitrust for whatever reason, right? And I open like go to twitter.com and I see would you like to go to Mastodon or Twitter? People are going to go to Twitter. They're gonna click the boxes to take me to Twitter because they typed in Twitter, right? And the, the real solution would be a different OS or a fork of Android that's completely different and has its own perks and merits. Cause it's like if people people use Chrome on Android because no one really cares to install web browsers. Right, it's it's a yeah like who like who installs the, I, I I have Firefox on my phone because I play around with it sometimes, but it's literally just Safari. And on Android, like how many people actually use Firefox Mobile? Yeah, that's yeah, that's how many people even like like how many people use Samsung's browser? Samsung probably probably a lot because Samsung ships that as a default. Yeah, so see that's the thing. Like it's as long as it works fine. I don't think people are like too although it's, it's me saying it ships as a default is probably like hurting my own argument. I I do know that um. Android devices, when it comes to like the phone, Samsung phones, it ships a two of everything. I get like times where like people give me their like a uh, family member give me their phone and they'll open one text app and it'll ask them to set that to default. And they're like, why is it saying this? Because like Facebook Messenger set itself as a default text app and there's like three more from the list of default text apps. And I'm like, why does this phone ship with so many fucking SMS apps? <laughs> that API is a bad feature. Like that that's why that's my hot take of the day. Letting people set different SMS apps just made more confusion and really didn't give people more choice. It just gave more headaches. I mean, let's let's stop like finish up. There we have a couple more smaller Google stories. Uh project there was a Bloomberg article about uh project how do you say that? Fuchsia. Word? Fuchsia. Okay. Every time. Every time. Fuchsia. Fuchsia. Okay. So the CH is like, uh, I hate it. Is it even an English word? So, 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 um, I, it's probably like some Latin base. <laughs> it's like fuchsia. Sha, and yeah. and no, nothing indicates that that's going to be a long U, right? For the vowel instead of like a short one. So it's, uh, fuck that word. But so Project Fuchsia, we've talked about it before. I think we talked on the same veins. We talked like Andromeda, Seashell, all these like under under the water sort of projects happening at Microsoft and Google. And Fuchsia, there's just a general roundup report at Bloomberg this week about it. And I love the burn at the end because the whole piece is like it's mainly being led by senior engineers. Uh, managers aren't really a fan of it because, I mean, business wise, Android still makes more money. Um, but it's basically being built from the kernel level up, right? So no Linux kernel support. It doesn't use any of that. It is completely in-house at Google. And the whole point of it, right, is to ship on like from a Raspberry Pi-like device to a Chromebook and have a UI framework that uh, I believe Flutter is actually the UI framework for it that scales from that. And it's like, 
doing what Android in theory should be doing, but without it being as gross and crusty as Android is right now. And so we've talked about a lot of this on the podcast before because our technicals had piece about pieces about them running it on a uh, Chromebook Pixel. And like what's really new here is like there's a burn at the end of it that I love. The very last line, I believe. It is uh, one person who has spoken to the future staff to describe the project simply as it's a senior engineer retention project. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's yeah, uh, that's I'm not surprised by that. Also, the, I'm not surprised by the fact that it doesn't line up with google's business fact business model right because uh as it's as it is now it's like more privacy conscious and like like more like security minded and more like because it uses the um i think me and jake talked about on pentagonal i'll try and find the link and throw it in the show notes uh which you can always find at two shades of uh it's uh it's the same thing as sandstorm it's that with different not differential privacy also, it's capability-based security. That's what Fuchsia does, I believe. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, so, capability. So you you'd have the the application with the least cap. You'd give the application like the least amount of capabilities it needs, right? It's like uh, sort of like the permission system, but not really. It's 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 the other way around. Like you would give it like permissions. Like you would give so it's basically like it's like sandboxing taken to the max, right? Like so, say for example, there's Chrome. You would basically only let it load and render web pages, and not touch any files or storage until the page requ- page requests that, right? If like the page, for example, didn't, I mean, I don't know if this is exactly how it works, but like this is theoretically how it would work. So like say for example, you're loading uh, the Verge. The Verge just needs to display content, and that's it. That's all it should be doing. But then you go to Mastodon, and Mastodon wants to display local storage because Gargamel finally added offline support, right? It would then allow Chrome to cache things offline or be able to touch the file system in that way. And it just, it would only when the capability is needed is the permission given, even though, like in general, it could access all those permissions when you approve it. Uh, so that's the Project Fusion story. Also, a heads up if we do click the Bloomberg link. Uh, it has autoplaying video with sound on it. Uh, just, I I don't know why text why they I mean I know why they do it but just, uh, uh A last Google story is is kind of a funny one I guess or a spooky one uh, depending on how you look at it. Uh, why is Google Translate spitting out sinister religious prophecies? <laughs> um, so uh, apparently, if you like put in like a bunch of English words, like say you put a bunch of the word dog a bunch of times and it, you say the language is Maori and you, and you tell Google Translate to translate into to English, it's like doomsday clock is three minutes at 12. <laughs> uh, that is uh, bizarre. Like it's, it's, there's like a whole like, uh, there's a subreddit dedicated to it called TranslateGate. Ah. Oh. Uh, the gate name it's your uh, favorite right i know how much you love calling things gates uh, um like last week we were having a discourse and i called it discourse gate <laughs> because the discourse was gated to being a gate i don't fucking know oh yeah but uh it's it's like if, if somebody put like the letters ag and in somal and said the language of somali and told it to translate to english and it's like as the name of the Lord was written in the Hebrew language. <laughs> it was written in the language of the Hebrew nation. Like, how is this happening? I think it's probably like some sort of. Uh, this is one of those um, machine learning shruggy things, right? <laughs> like, that's really, it's what. It, because 
this is the problem, like machine learning being a black box. And especially when it comes to companies like Google and stuff where their machine learning algorithms are like a black box that no one knows anything about except like five engineers internally. Like it does weird shit like this. And sometimes you don't know. And okay, we get funny translations now, but these are like the same kind of algorithms that are like powering self-driving cars. And they're also powering the uh, content moderation stuff on YouTube. And they're powering Facebook's content moderation and they're powering Twitter's content moderation, right? So while we think it's kind of funny here, I think this is like objectively a dangerous thing. Because think about, okay, so us in the Western part of the world, this being translated from Somali to English saying that it's like the second coming of Jesus, LOL, what? But then you take it into countries where there's like, I don't know, violence between ethnic groups or whatever, right? Or like extremely oppressive governments. Something like this could spark into a humanitarian crisis, right? Mm. And while, like, I mean, like, it's not really that far fetched because face- fake news spreading on Facebook has spread to it. WhatsApp has had to put limits on how many messages can be sent in India because of violence, because of fake news being spent spread on WhatsApp, right? Like, right. Wow, it's kind of funny. It's also really scary because it's the same kind of bullshit is actually harming people in certain parts of the world. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, it's funny, but it's also like, it's, I mean, the likely explanation, the technical explanation is probably because, uh, somebody pointed out in the article, uh, Sean Colbert, a senior scientist at BBN technologies, uh, that languages that generate the strangest results, uh, Somali, Hawaiian, and Maori have smaller bodies of translated text than more widely spoken languages. Uh, if they try to build a model out of that stuff, it may be that the model simply throws a Hail Mary pass and barfs out a piece of its training. Uh, so that's probably the likely explanation there. Uh, uh, so that's, that's, that's the Google stories. Uh, next up, we, we talk about TVs because apparently this week we are, uh, extremely boring for some <laughs> extremely boring. no i i feel like roku is such a sleeper company though right because roku tvs are everywhere like all the cheap smart tvs now they all run roku software so what roku does um we have like an interview with the ceo and an announcement of one of their new products in the show notes but roku makes smart tv stuff right and they make streaming boxes and like chromecast clones and all that stuff right but what they also started doing is shipping TVs that have Roku software by default. And what they do is that they make a reference design and then they'll ship that out to manufacturers and manufacturers take that reference design to, to um, like, I don't know, change the outside of it, maybe put different speakers in it or customize the display, like the calibration, the tuning, what kind of panel they use. But this ensures that every Roku device gets the same software. And what's even more interesting is that Roku... I don't know if they're selling licenses. They didn't, I don't believe they said, but what they do is by default, they will scan what's on your TV and then show ads. Yeah. Which uh, is um, not good. I've turned it off on because the TV at the place I'm at right now has a Roku, a Roku software on it. So yeah. I've turned it off, yeah. but it's like Roku TVs are increasing common because especially the best cheap 4k TVs you can buy from like a TCL, which is a Chinese uh, panel manufacturer. Those all run Roku software by default. And those ones will give you, I believe, like Dolby Vision, um, 4K HDR, all of that stuff for like under a grand for a decently sized TV. So it's it's interesting that they just kind of like slid in and now they like own this market because almost no TV ship with Android TV, um, LOL Android TV. No one buys Android TV boxes. 
the Apple TV probably sells enough for Apple to consider a, su- a success rate. Like, I mean, like probably the Apple Watch sells more, right? But it's like it probably sells enough for people use it. I mean, it, it's it's yeah, it's not like Apple needs to make money from the Apple TV that much, right? It's not like it's uh, it's not like they're only. It's like the HomePod, right? It's like yeah. an auxiliary product. If you own Apple stuff, it's better if you have an Apple TV. Right. Uh, so so Roku CEO said that uh, they are in the ad business, not the hardware business, which actually makes sense when you think about it because their hardware is extremely cheap. So there's no way they're making like any significant amount of money from their hardware, right? Uh, the Most of their money is being made from 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 the advertising business uh which if you own a a roku based tv or roku device you're probably like yeah i mean you could turn it off you can turn off the scanning you can't turn off the ads it'll have like a limited identifier thing like how ios has and that's the only option you get um and like genuine question here do you think this is a bad model no like, i mean not is. for roku i mean roku has to sustain itself but uh like, well, like so in general, selling cheap hardware just so you can place ads on it so it subsidizes the price. Like it, me, me and you are like, yeah, we can buy Apple TVs. We have enough cash to do that. But if this makes if this makes the TVs cheaper and it makes the uh, streaming sticks cheaper, and if you could turn off the scanning stuff so you're getting a generic ad profile sent to you, like it always comes back to the question, right? Like, is advertising inherently wrong, right? Because you have you have the Amazon devices, right? That are subsidized by ads. You get like 40 bucks off of it. And sure, it's a device powered by consumption for you to just spend more and consume more things, right? But you get a cheap TV with good picture quality, right? Like the colors are nice on it. They're good panels and they're cheaper because they're subsidized by ads. And I don't, and I'm torn on it because I want to be like, sure, right? Like privacy all the way, blah, blah, blah. But if you could turn off the tracking, Sure, maybe they're still getting ads sold to you, right? Like it's always the same. It's like the same question for like websites, right? Like if 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 companies stop tracking you, but websites are still ad supported with just a general ad profile, would you would you run an ad blocker? Ah, that's uh, yes, because ads are still uh, still malware vectors on on, on the web. Uh, that's that's the problem I have with ads. By the way, it's it's. Not necessarily that I like absolutely hate advertising, but it's also that. Well, I mean, do you turn off ads on YouTubers that you like, or turn them on? I mean, like, do you turn ad block off for that page for YouTubers that you like? No, because then I would have to deal. I have to deal with YouTube.com, and it's like, uh, yeah, that's yeah. I don't turn off ads on YouTube, uh, even for stuff I watch. Uh, it's because I forget most of the time. I don't. I don't remember to turn off ads. So it's, yeah, like, it's, I don't know if I would turn on my ad blocker. Like, it's, I've gotten, like, at this point, like, I've been using ad blockers for so long. It's kind of weird because whenever I, like, use a computer, like, a a new browser, that or, uh, like, a new computer without an ad blocker, it's extremely strange because it's, like, you see these things that I haven't seen in a long time. Like, I haven't seen ad, like, I haven't seen, like, web ads in a long time. Like, I don't see them. Uh, So it's... I don't know. Like, I'm not a fan of ads. Like, that, that, that much is 
true, but well, I mean, but you have the option, right? Like, I guess to pay for it, like you can afford it. Like, I'm not like dunking on you, right? It's just that like you can use an ad blocker and you can buy the iPhone, right? That that will that you don't have to get ads on, and you can run your own Mastodon instances, right? And granted. But granted, there aren't any mass instances right now or any sort of like federated sort of like open source software uh, alternatives, right, that have advertising on them. But if someone came by and was like, okay, I'm going to try and compete with Google in that and just to get that scale and make it subsidize itself and pay for itself, right, I'll put ads on it. And like, is that a bad thing inherently, right? If someone's running like a public email service, right, and all that, and like they have a good code of conduct and user policy, but it's you can donate if you can. But they'll run ads on it if you don't donate just so they can help keep it free. Is that a bad thing, right? Because if they're making money off of it, there's probably more of a guarantee that instance that email server isn't going to go down when the person gets bored running it because there's a financial incentive. And I mean, yes, capitalism sucks and all that. But hey, people still have to eat in this current world, right? And money does incentivize people to do things. And and like it's like if a... Like, if you pay someone to do like host a server for you, it's probably be better run than if you had someone volunteer their time to do it just because that money coming in is helping them eat. And I, and I can't, I can't fault it. Right. Like, sure. I'll use it. I, I turned, actually I turned off an ad blocker. I just do, um, what's it called? I think privacy badger. I do one of the ones that just stops tracking now. And I don't have any, I don't have flash on my computers or anything like that, but I've been showing ads for a bit. Cause when me and Jake talked about it a couple weeks ago on Pentagonal. It's like, well, sure. I can, I can say all that, like, yeah, I want no ads. I want this, that, and that. But then, hey, if someone who uh, can't make that much money on Patreon because maybe they're doing something that Patreon won't let them won't, won't let them subsidize, right? With their with that model, they can't have they can't be making that kind of content. So they'll use it or like Libra Pay right now. They're going through some payment processor issues. People aren't getting paid as much, and they've had to like receive other funding for it. If that person has ads in their comment, comic, right, online, they make like a web comic, and that might be like too not safe for work for Patreon to let them do it. Because I know Patreon's not been as uh, 18 plus friendly recently. Like, all they have is putting ads on their site. Like, that's literally the only way they can make money off this. I guess, I guess, besides like, you know, people randomly donating to it. Yeah, no, that's but not as sustainable. Someone who's like been that's online, right? Like, right. Yeah, you, taking donations isn't sustainable. So, as much as I want to shit on advertising, it helps people eat and these devices getting cheaper. That means that someone who doesn't have enough can buy it if they just see ads every now and then. And maybe, maybe it, it is fucked that if you have more money, you don't see ads. Like I, I feel like that's a weird way to look at it, but I keep trying to think of like, how else could it be subsidized? Right. And it's the same thing of like Google, right? Like my whole, my whole thing about Google isn't that they just show ads everywhere. It's that they monopolize themselves to be the only ad platform and to force themselves to every part of your life and collect all the data so they can build these really highly targeted ad profiles. It's not the advertisements themselves that bother me. And I guess like that's maybe spicy to say, but ads aren't bad. Tracking is. And I think there's a difference. And while Roku is tracking you and just watching the screen, you should totally turn that off if you use a Roku TV because they let you turn it off and they'll still show ads here and there. And it makes the TV you bought a better quality one. They even have cheap speakers now, right? For like, so you could get better sound quality out of that. And I, I can't fault it that much, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's. I mean, I'm not. I, yeah, I get it. I like the Roku is the device is cheap. Uh, the ads are. I mean, is, is the is the is the screen tracking thing turned on by default? Does it ask you? Yeah, that's turned on by default. It doesn't ask you. 
That is that is on okay. by default. Uh, that that might be problematic in certain jurisdictions, though. That's that's. I mean, is Roku stuff sold in the EU? I I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. Uh, Roku is. Let me see. I can actually search you right now. Roku EU. Let's see. Is does Roku sell to the EU? Roku sells to Latin America, North America, and Europe. Yes, Roku is only like not. It's not super international right now. Um, so I imagine if you buy one in the EU, they probably have been updated to, to uh, work of GDPR. It's probably it'll probably ask your consent before it turns that on. Uh, hopefully, uh, because otherwise, I think that would be a violation of GDPR. Uh, so that's the Roku news, right? Uh, we last bit. Uh, we last t- topic, I guess, not bit. Uh, video game news. Video games. Video games. Uh, first, first up, we have uh, we have a new game. A new game to talk about, uh, Extreme Meat Punks Forever, uh, by Fellow Stipes Radio co-host, right? Uh, Heather Flowers. Yeah, fellow, 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 fellow co-host, yeah. Yeah. Uh, extreme, extreme punk person, <laughs> extreme. game developer, Heather Flowers. Heather Flowers. Uh, HDHR, known in the hood. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck uh, that means. Okay, so let me let me just talk about this. Uh, I played this yesterday. Uh, so Extreme Meat Punks Forever. Uh, let me just read the pitch, uh, page on itch.io. Uh, uh, a serial visual novel slash mech brawler about four gay disasters beating up neo-Nazis in giant robots made of meat. Get ready for the worst road trip of all time. Yeah, I, I mean it's 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 like the description is 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 extremely accurate. Uh, it's it's good. It's just like you you're you're it, you play as these four people uh, beating up neo Nazis in giant robots made of meat. It's it's available on H.io. Uh, right now, the first two parts are out. Uh, pilots part one and part two. Uh, the it's gonna be like a serial game, right? It's it's like a episode. Uh, yeah, it's gonna have it's gonna have seasons and episode. Be episodic. Yeah, so the, the next next season is cause our next year, next episode is coming out uh, August the second. So go get it on that uh, on itch.io. io. Uh, it's right now it's uh, uh, nine dollars US dollars. You can obviously pay more if you want to, and I recommend doing so. Support your local uh, indie game creator because give know, give heather all of your money <laughs> make uh ha- ha- support heather's uh mission to destroy the sun uh, uh so mechs are expensive <laughs> we, we we know this and heather needs to do parts for her mech um i see you valley valley people on the federated timeline um i know you got that cash got that cash instead ins- instead of going instead of putting it all into that bitcoin put it into chosa coin and by that Buy meat punks for a thousand and five dollars. Oh God! Uh, I imagine if somebody actually that would be pretty cool. And ninety five cents. That's <laughs> that is the current going rate of one Chosa coin. Um, podcast exclusive. Podcast uh, exclusive. exclusive. That is the first time I've disclosed the uh, ICO initial initial Chosa offering of uh, Chosa oh coin. That price. God. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, that that's uh, that's extreme meat punks forever. Uh, I've yet to play the game because uh, I'm apparently too busy for that, even though I was offered a press copy on air. I have yet to play it. I will be picking it up soon. This is not the last to talk of Beat Punks because um, I give my friends free marketing. 
if you want free marketing, hit us up. If you make a game, like literally, and you're not a big company, if you're a big company, you have to pay me. That's legally required by California law. Um, but if you're an indie game dev, like literally just like DM me being like, yeah, bruh, I made this game. And I'll be like, yes. And I'll put it on the pod. You know, it's like as easy as that. Yeah. I want to talk, uh, I want to talk more about indie games. I feel like we talk about AAA games way too much. Uh, and I feel like there's a lot of stuff on like itch.io. Uh, that we should be talking about instead because, you know, indie game development is, is, is a hell, hellscape uh, where it's really hard to get noticed. So that's that's that. Uh, speaking of bad video games things, uh, our next topic... <laughs> <laughs> because because last week we didn't have opinions that are spicy enough. Um, three four three was asked recently, "Will Halo Infinite have a battlegrounds mode?" And they were like, "What the fuck? No!" <laughs> <laughs> like what? No. That's n- no. Like why are you even asking us this question? Like for real? Uh, uh, like you were you for real, bro? We gonna put player on no Halo Battlegrounds like bro, no 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 Warthogs ain't for you in a squad no don't squad up with a Warthog like that and so uh, me and Sadik were I was playing Gears of War 4 Sadik was watching the, uh, Overwatch, it, the League. Overwatch League yeah and then we're talking about Warzone and Halo 5 because you know um, I talk about Halo a lot because that's like I don't I, it's I like brand. Halo yeah. it's, it's, it's my brand and so we were like you know MOBAs kind of suck and now, since Sadik didn't have one, uh, had, had didn't have, get enough discourse, I mean, from the last week's episodes, like Game's <laughs> Opinion, um, Sadik will not tell you why MOBAs are trash. The floor is yours. Okay. Uh, so, the, to start this, uh, th- 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 let me tell you, like, a story. Uh, this is, like, an event uh, a long time ago. Uh, your boy, Sadik, this was, like, t- almost 10 years. Like, whenever Dota 2 was in beta. Uh, it was around that time, uh, or or around when it initially released. Uh, I got an invite for Dota two, and I decided, hey, I'm I, I played some like AI in matches against the AI, so let's try some like matches against actual people, right? So I was like, okay, let's 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 try this thing, and boy, uh, I tried it. And I, admittedly, I was I was terrible at the game. I was still learning the game. I was still trying to figure out like all these all these heroes uh, or characters or whatever you call, call them. Uh, like I was just, still trying to figure out like, the concept of like going mid, going top, going bottom, right? And like trying to figure out like what are you supposed to be doing? Like how the flow of the game works? Like when are you supposed to buy what item? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's, there's a lot of depth to the mobile gameplay. Uh, so I was still trying to figure it out, but I got flamed all the way through that one match like that that was probably like a miserable like 40 minutes or an hour of me trying to like figure out this game and being berated for it uh continuously by other people who were like why are you feeding why are you bad at this game just just close the game why are you even playing player versus player i'm like i want to try to figure it out uh and the and the way to learn that game, I think, is actually to play player versus player, because that's where the fun is. Uh, so, that was my sort of, like, formative experience, if you can call it that, with MOBAs. Uh, and after that, I was uh, extremely turned off to MOBAs as, as a genre. And I think uh, MOBAs, in general, because of the way that the game the games are structured and designed, uh, encourage shitty behavior. 
right? Uh, because it is your you you. So the thing is, if if uh, in say uh, like a game where it's not as important if you are the one sucking, like if you're new at the game and you suck, it's it's not as big a deal as in, it is in, in a MOBA because if you're if you're new in a MOBA uh, and you suck, you're you're pulling your whole team down because you're you're doing what is called feeding, right? Feeding means that you're giving the enemy team kills so they they can get stronger and and be able to beat you quicker right so that's considered obviously bad so uh that creates this environment where if you're new you you should probably stick to never playing against humans because uh it's it's gonna suck it's gonna suck because you suck and your team hates you and the enemy team hates you for some reason too uh so it's like it just creates this sort of like negative feedback loop i don't think that's the right term for it like it's like a uh creates this like toxic environment right where it's uh where it feels like you feel bad for playing the game uh which is which is never in a place i want to be when i'm playing video games uh so uh like i mean to 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 credit to valve and riot uh makers of league of legends like they have tried to like curb down on this whole toxicity thing like they have uh, introduced systems that discourage toxicity incredibly and like if you're toxic you get reported right and you get put in a queue with other toxic people right uh but i i still think that as 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 a genre and as like a game sort of design philosophy like it's 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 it's, it's, it's like it's 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 bad like it's you can only try to like put all these bandages on it but it's it's just just rotten uh, at the core uh, just because of human psychology uh, is fucking us over. So that's 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 my hot. I, I don't even know if that's a hot take. It's just a take on on mobas. Uh, so Christian, if you have anything to say, I have a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I played one match of Heroes of the Storm and in my computer, uh, Colonel Panic. That's that's my story. The end. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That, that that's the that's the that's the Mac OS kernel telling you to play better video games. Well, I mean, I played Smite on the Xbox One, and I've never understood why it's fun. Like, I just <sighs> it doesn't make sense to me. The matches are too long, and obviously, we're saying MOBA suck, but because uh, people like the discourse, and someone's gonna yell at me about it. We don't like MOBAs is the proper name of this segment not that they're all trash no i mean uh, this, this yeah, podcast yeah, that... is mostly our opinions please please hold the flame uh keep, keep the flame for you hit the club with your girl or your boy or your partner partners like keep the flame for that get lit with them don't get lit with us and our menchies <laughs> unless you want to you know then feel free i can't stop you uh yeah uh i mean there are def- definitely some mobas that are slightly better than others uh Smite is an interesting because it is like third person, right? Not top yeah. down. And also, I feel like you have a negative opinion of Smite because they uh, killed off tribes to like work on Smite, right? Uh, oh, don't even like that's an entire segment by itself. I, I would be here for hours uh, talking about how what they did, the tribes said. Uh, I'm riffing off of Jim Sterling over there. Uh, but uh yeah that's that's my take on mobas if you want to talk to me about mobas hit me up uh i'm i'm extremely open to talking about like video game design stuff uh because because i'm not i don't actually know much i just like to talk shit 
but I also oh my, oh, same, <laughs> same. I this is see. We finally we found a tagline for this fucking podcast. Almost seventy episodes later, we don't know a lot of shit, but we love talking shit. Yeah, uh, just add us. That, that's have that's have a friendly discussion last week. Uh, uh, thank you, Zach, for reaching out talking about uh, talking about what was it? Uh, motion motion controls. controllers. Uh, we had and why good, you're wrong. Uh, why I'm wrong. Uh, no, everybody was super nice. It was a good discussion. I had a lot of, uh, it's always interesting to talk to people about how they play video games. Uh, and people play, it turns out people play video games a lot of different ways and in a lot of, uh, different, uh, sort of ways that they enjoy games, right? And like the whole sort of controller discussion is, is extremely subjective because there's also like, you know, like accessibility concerns and like controllers are like extremely, personal because depending on like how you use your hands like how if your hands cramp up or like if, if the control is too big or if it's too small or if it get if your hands get sweaty there's so many factors right it's just it's like there's no one size fits all i think that's that's just that this just controllers that most people use and there are like those specialized controllers that we talked about so yeah uh also too i just want to say uh Everyone who listens, I know it's it's a become like a a meme at this point. Me bitching about people in my menchies, and then me bitching about that bitching, and then it's just like a meta complaint until it like all goes in like what ten feet hole, right? Like, but all seriousness, people who actually listen to these shows and then hit us up, like I enjoy, I love you people because yes. yeah, yeah, you people. That seems a little dehumanizing. I love y'all. <laughs> I love y'all. How we're like how I can phrase that where I'm not like putting y'all down, right? Because. Every time we get like feedback and it's someone who listens and they like actually listen to the episode, it's always a good time. Even when they don't agree with me, right? Even if the chose to take too strong, right? It's always like a good conversation. Like when when me and Static just joke about nerds and our menchies, same thing with like Heather, right? If you listen to the chose of Heather Power Hour, it's mostly the randos who don't know us who just like tell me to uh check out FOSS apps, right? Like it's those like and I mean like I I get it. They don't like know me, but at the same time, it's like different standards, but blah, blah, blah. That discourse would be safe for our episode. I just, all I'm saying, right. It's like, if you listen to it, like if you listen to shows, like you guys are the best, y'all are the best. I don't want to gender that you fuck it. I'm sticking with you people. You lot. There we go. You lot. Jim Sterling, you lot, <laughs> you lot are great. I am uh, always here to have a conversation. Um, yeah. You can contact us as always, uh, via email contact at two shades of brown dot com or you can add us on mastodon you can add me at static safe at mastodon dot zombocloud dot com and christian um please at me a raccoon gif uh <laughs> i always appreciate good raccoon gifs in my life so if you want to at me it is at chose fine at 10 forward dot social we're going two months strong still haven't been banned from static instance <laughs> so you know it's good it's good shit <laughs> and with that goodbye bye